0: I was like mind blown by like Kyle uh, as an entrepreneur. Um, His background uh, is he was an attorney for startups and then he went to go work for American Family Ventures, which is the venture capital arm of American Family Insurance. And he saw and did many deals for them and he was just like sharp. He had his ideas in like very concise uh, explanations. He had, he even had like app mock-ups uh, that he created and he ran us through. So he was just like such a sharp individual that I just kept the pulse on him uh, through, throughout the next, you know, five years uh, or so. Um, and, you know, I in 2018, I left uh, my agency to go work in the corporate world, uh, marketing to financial advisors at Morningstar. And, you know, by, by about 2021, I had already been doing that for three years. And, you know, Kyle and I happened to uh, reconnect and uh, one thing led to another and I realized I have an opportunity to come and uh, work here as head of B2B marketing where, you know, we're marketing to insurance agents. So very similar, you know, kind of distribution strategy as we have for financial advisors uh, at Morningstar and uh, felt like, you know, it was the after, you know, working in the startup world. And building a business, uh, and then going getting corporate experience, I felt like it was a really good time to um, kind of find something in the middle and go work for like a high growth uh, company um, that's raising venture capital, um, and uh, that's kind of you know what led me to uh,
1: Clearcover. That's cool. The the thing that it sounds like one of the first things that we touched on there is that. You were in a seat where, especially when you're on like agency side, you get to see so many different businesses and in the process, first of all, it's fascinating, but also you understand like where you fit the most and what's interesting to you. And it sounds like Kyle had the same thing, right? Like when you're in the venture side, you get to preview a lot of different types of organizations. So you both had this uh, really interesting, probably like pattern recognition of what works, yeah. what doesn't, what's interesting to you, where do you want to commit your time type of thing, right?
0: Yeah, for sure. And like, you know, high level, like I was watching an interview uh, of Kyle uh, before we actually connected uh, to make sure I don't misrepresent anything that he would say. But, you know, he mentioned it himself right in the venture world. He saw, you know, many insurance uh, tech uh, companies essentially, you know, trying to disrupt the space. He saw what worked. He saw what didn't work. And, you know, with those learnings, you know, he eventually uh, came up, you know, with the idea uh, of clear cover. So um, I think like, you know, just for me, at least like people uh, like the, the statement of like people leave companies because of their managers or their leaders. It's the same thing for me, at least where I'm I joined different companies, first and foremost, because of the leaders and, uh, you know, also the people uh, that, that are there as well.
1: Yeah. So you're saying it's not only pattern recognition in like the industry you want to be in or the business model or whatever. It's also just the style of leaders and their values and ethics and all that type of thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, I think like, you know, the thing that like resonated uh, with with me when I was, you know, going through uh, discussions uh, to join uh, the company was that um, I was very quickly able to pick up on what the business model is. uh, And I think, a lot of that has to do uh, with the time I spend at Morningstar marketing and financial advisors, which a lot of financial advisors sell insurance, but a lot of insurance agents actually are, can sell, uh, do fin- uh, fi- uh, financial planning as well, because, you know, they uh, have cross sell opportunities. So they get, you know, registered uh, and licensed uh, in both areas. So um, just, I think it's one is like the people, the leadership, and then it's like, based on the experience I've had in the past, I feel like I understand the business model uh, to the point where I could actually deliver value.
1: So for those who are new to ClearCover, what would you say is the, the problem uh, or the opportunity uh, that the founders and everybody set out to solve? And, and how does that translate into a value prop for you on the B2B side?
0: Yeah, I think you know th- the opportunity for us is the thing we talk a lot about is like transparency and understanding uh, decisions every step of the way. Um, You know, I think that's, that's to the policy holder. Um, You know, I think for us, it's all about uh, efficiency as well. Right. Even just when you think about um, things like claims, uh, claims processes, being able to uh, fairly and quickly uh, pay uh, your policyholders. And a lot of policyholders, they buy insurance through, um, insurance agents, right. They don't just buy direct to consumer, you know, I buy my insurance from an insurance agent. Um, and so the insurance agent, you know, also would care about something like claims being processed really quickly because, you know, the more time he spends on claims, the lower the margin, uh, for his business, right. Um, or the unhappier the client, therefore like retention might get more difficult or challenging. So I think, you know, that's probably just one example, right? Um, And uh, I'll I'll kind of pause there, you know, without going too far on a tangent and rambling.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of uh, FinTechs and techs are about kind of removing frictions. Um, It sounds like that's a big part of what you're doing. And uh, you can do that either and save cost or you can just increase speed. It sounds like you're more focused on the speed aspect. Is that right? Um, I can't speak
0: too much uh, to this topic, but I think, you know, the general, um, I think it's all about, you know, in the insurance basis, make it quick, quick and easy, right? How do we make it as simple, uh, as possible? And simplicity also comes with the idea of simple to understand, right? Um, so going back to the, this, uh, the topic of making smart decisions every step of the way. So we think like, You know, generally speaking, when you look at the insurance landscape, there's a lot of legacy uh, insurance, uh, you know, agencies, carriers, uh, different types of ventures. Like they can't move that quick. Um, And I think that's where kind of we get the competitive advantage as well.
1: So when you joined the team and you started digging in on the B2B side, was there a particular challenge that you saw ahead and thought, okay, that's going to be tough? Um, but I think I have a plan on how to get past that that obstacle or has it been kind of smooth sailing since you joined?
0: Um, so I was actually the first like marketing hire for B2B. Uh, so for me, I think the biggest challenge was there's so many things that we can do, right? Um, but it was just figuring out how do we just start, right? And what are the what's the grand vision look like? What are like the ultimate, you know, things that we're trying to accomplish? Like what makes a modern, like I think about it, you know, I love McKinsey. Um, they have a thing called, you know, the modern marketing uh, wheel, right? There's capabilities, there's enablers. A capability as an example is a personalization, right? An enabler is, you know, your team, right? Or your resources. So I think just like, When I got here, I was really just trying to evaluate, like, where are things at, right? From like a maturity perspective, when we look at the capabilities and the enablers, um, where do we ultimately want to be, right? And then what can we start to do today to essentially, you know, uh, lay the foundation and work towards the future? So I think that's pretty much the biggest challenge, right, that I have. There's so many ideas and there's so many, um, you know, distractions, uh, day to day that you really need to kind of figure out, you know, what's the true problem that you're trying to solve. And then how do we just, you know, basically just improve by like 1% every single day, instead of like trying to hit a home run, um, and, uh, you know, basically striking out.
1: Yeah. There's, <laughs> uh, especially if you're an idea person, like you're never short on ideas. Uh, sometimes there's, uh people who are idea rich and execution poor because they're just so many ideas to pursue. Have you found any, do you have any pro tips on that front? I think a lot of people struggle with that um, because they want to, I think some are almost uh, judged by leadership of like, how many things are we doing? Ultimately, you hope it's the results are coming in, but have you found any uh, kind of pro tips that work for yourself in terms of prioritizing that and not chasing every idea and filling up the parking lot a little bit more?
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a good question. I think, uh, so first and foremost, there's kind of two things I would say here. One is like when I look at like things that we can be doing, I think about what's the littlest effort I can do for the highest amount of impact. Yeah, Right. I'm a lazy person, uh, candidly, like I want to do as least a less as, as less, as little as possible for the most possible reward. Right. Um, So I think that's one, right. Like figuring out um, low effort, high impact uh, activities, right. That we can measure and we can, you know, uh, prove right. That it's uh, contributing to some, some sort of outcome. The other thing is with like decision-making it's if it's, which actually my manager and like different l- leaders in this business always think about, you know, kind of uh, created this like decision-making framework where if it's low cost and reversible, you know, do it, right? Um, like just try it, um, you know, if it's high cost and irreversible, right? There, there needs to be like more thinking around it and like more thought process into it um, if it's high cost and, uh, not reversible, right. Then even more, right. So there's kind of this quadrant, uh, that I like think about, uh, as well when I'm making decisions, but I think like the quickest thing is like, you know, also like in the, in the corporate world, like I'm not saying here, I'm just, you know, obviously you do consulting. I've done consulting with the agency, but a lot of times like businesses are trying to solve for like the margins not the masses or trying to solve problems that don't exist so i think it's being able to also filter those sets of things out right that come and like distract you um so those are those are probably just some tips but i think the biggest thing for me has always been like what's the lowest effort highest impact things that we can do um to basically get us closer to this like optimal state uh of you know modern marketing maturity
1: Yeah. Uh, It's funny that you said, well, I'm lazy, so I focus uh, my attention on things that work. Uh, I've heard other people say that as well, Um, which is funny because uh, I'm the opposite. Uh, I'm used to working hard. And the problem with that is sometimes you'll chase things that don't have a very good ROI, right? Because you're just used to doing a bunch of stuff. So that's been a hard lesson for me personally is is to say, all right, I need to really sharpen it and, and park some ideas and let it sit for a little bit. It might be amazing idea, but is it amazing in a week or two? And does it unseat this other thing that we've got going too? So we all come at it from, I think, different angles, but prioritization is tough. It's also key.
0: Yeah, and also just the same, like earlier in my career, like I would say yes to everything, right? Um, so I think it's also just like recognizing, you know, uh, when you should say no, when you should say yes. Um, that's like another like very like basic, you know, uh, thing that I'm like still struggling with, you know, um, and trying to like fight my little devil on the, you know, that sits up here telling me to do it, to like try to please someone. But, uh, really just again, like going back to figuring out what, you know, when there, even when there's like requests, like what's the problem that we're trying to solve. Right. Um, and then like the solutions that we think we can solve for this problem, like, what are the things that will like make this problem like 20%, you know, less painful. Right. It doesn't have to be like fully solved. Right. But how do we slowly start to kind of, um, you know, uh, un, uh, unwind, you know, or, uh, develop the concept, like a good example is, you know, um, marketing automation, right. Like for good marketing automation, you need really good data in your system. Right. Um, so, obviously we want to automate everything possible. Right. Um, But it's not possible to like, all right, we're going to go and like, we're going to automate everything, uh, every touch point, every marketing campaign, simply because you might not have the data that you need. Right. So um, just thinking about, you know, here, we, one of the things that, um, you know, one thing that I've done in the past here before standing up marketing automation tools. So what are like, the data points that we already have, uh, in the marketing automation tool. And can they, and and can any of them be leveraged right away, uh, to, you know, personal, uh, to automate any specific touch points. And then what are all the other data points that we need? What are the most critical ones? And we'll have like the biggest effort on us. So like, you know, one thing, like we have uh, a welcome campaign, uh, for, uh, in the past, like at Morningstar and here for new partners, right. Where, uh, as soon as you become a partner, you're put in automatically into a, you know, campaign. So, um, whereas like in the past, I've seen companies, like they would do something like that manually. Right. But now we're capturing, like we'll capture a certain event, uh, in, uh, in the system and then trigger, tr- uh, trigger an action. So, um, like yes, we want everything to be personalized and automated. Like I always hear that in conversation. Like, can we automate that? Well, yeah, we can, but we don't have that ability uh, today. So, what
1: do you think is uh, the more common misstep uh, by brands? Is it that they are still doing things manually and they haven't found automation, or that they've bought an expensive tool and they're automating things that aren't yet figured out, and uh, they're over. I think it's like. I think it's like not having a strategy
0: uh, is an issue and then um, not having people, uh, right? But I think like I've seen companies like buy millions and million dollars of marketing tech stack. um, And it's not, it's barely being used uh, because there isn't a strategy. There aren't people who know how to use it. Um, So I think it's just figuring out making sure you know what your strategy is uh first and then figuring out you know now that you know the strategy and the requirements you have um we're, you know we're working back uh from that and then figuring out how do you actually solve it with people in pack right so that's the biggest thing is like companies don't sometimes just don't have a strategy
1: i agree with that um, we had a, a client reach out uh to us not too long ago and they asked a really good question i don't really get fast I don't think I've been asked this maybe more than twice in my entire career, but I thought it was a smart question. And they said, Where do you think we're over investing in our marketing? Um, I think I've only been asked that once or twice. And it's a great question. I think you should ask yourself every year, but especially a partner who sees like all of these different approaches, you know? And my answer back was just another question. I said, Who of all the people that you work with, who has the best salespeople? And they said, uh, probably our CRM automation. And then uh, they mentioned one other. So it's probably where you've over-invested. Um, mm-hmm. They're like, why do, like, do you say that? I'm like, she you got sold something, right? Like you got sold something that maybe you weren't ready for. And in this particular case, I knew that they had overinvested in a, a big CRM that they had barely used, which I think is probably 80% of people who have made significant investments. It's, I think 20% use it to great effect. And then 80% wish they could get there and they haven't yet. And it's a three-year plan to just probably get to par, you know, most.
0: I think it just goes down to like a lot of companies are just digitally immature, which, you know, that's why I love B2B businesses. Because I think like there's a lot of opportunity to basically take best practices of like B2C, right? And like how advanced the tech is in the B2C world and uh, apply some of those like practices into B2B. Um.
1: yeah majority of our clients are both b2c and b2b they have both sides of the house and so uh, we like that because we do work with some that are strictly one or the other it is interesting to me that whenever occasionally you'll talk to a b2b brand and if you have any kind of b2c experience they see that as as off-putting to them i've never understood that i've always felt like you can you can apply those learnings uh anywhere now if you've never done b2b obviously that's not going to work right but Um, if you can demonstrate that you can work on both, it's the shared learnings that I think is interesting. And frankly, I think B2B has a lot to learn from B2C. So I I agree with your stance.
0: Yeah. And I, but I think the thing about B2B that's different is like, there's usually a very like connect tight connection between marketing and sales. Um, whereas like the B2C process is very like more transactional in nature. Um, and it doesn't require that like close alignment. So, um, I think that's where, like, a lot of B2B marketing leaders would get, like, you know, uh, what's the word? Hesitant, you know, to work with, like, or hire, like, B2C marketers. Um, but tracking in the B2C world, I feel like it's a lot more efficient than like, the B2B world, right? So you could learn a lot uh, from that uh, into B2B, right? How you're doing attribution, um, how you're doing targeting, things like that.
1: Hypothetically, if you're starting all over again uh, with a different brand, let's just say it's in the B2B space, maybe similar industry or something. How would you prioritize channels and efforts and team building at like the early stages around seed and series A versus let's say it's, it goes really well. And then now you're looking at like series E, like right before IPO, like how, how do you think about those two growth stages differently and how would you prioritize that? So
0: just to make sure I understand, there's almost two questions, right? Uh, It's like the team uh, question and then there's like the marketing uh, question. Um, I mean, you know, I think no matter what, like you should just be building your company with uh, people that like are truly like invested in the vision. So I don't know, like, I think early on you kind of need people that And I'm just thinking from personal experience, like you kind of need people that can do more than uh, one thing, if that makes sense, or wear multiple hats. Um, So, but I think like, it's actually a, you know, a very good question. Um, But I think like, as far as like team development, like I think you should right from the get-go, like always put an emphasis on people, right? And just making sure that um, one is like, one thing I learned later in my career is like being just transparent from the start. Right. And like, um, everyone knowing everything, you know, about the financial, uh, position of the company. Um, I think like in general, just with teams, uh, and like as leaders, you need to like be doing what you can to like build trust, uh, amongst, um, And that's going to, that becomes harder, right? As you become bigger. So I think you need to, you know, bring in, um, you know, different uh, forms of like communication or different outlets uh, for how you connect uh, with your team as you uh, get bigger, right? Like early on, you might not need like these like onboarding handbooks, right? Or you might not be like focused on that, but like as you get bigger, you need more like structure and like process around it. So, the other thing is like, you know, early on with team, right? Like, y- you as the C- CEO, like, might not have like um, talent people, right? Or like people that are specifically focused on like people's happiness, right? Um, so, as you get bigger, you know, these types of things become, you know, uh, extremely important, especially. in the remote remote world. Um, But like my thing is like, my number one thing is like, this is like small or big company. Like I just try to basically develop like very, you know, there's a couple of things I'm actually going through leadership training. So it's kind of relevant, but being super candid, Uh, with people trying to build like personal connections with them, because like when you have a personal relationship with someone, they can trust you more. Um, I think, you know, being consistent, right. Continuing to like, um, delivering basically what you say you're going to do or do what you say you're going to do, right. Like you may not deliver what the outcome that you said, um, you know, just like things like even like accepting failure, right. Like knowing when, uh, you're, uh, you're, you're wrong um uh, as far as like the marketing strategy i mean it, it, you know it's kind of a tricky it's a tricky question to answer right like i think well let me
1: let me break it down for you um yeah. cuz it it is a it's almost an unfair question because um, it's so big but if you were in the early days um and again just imagine it's like seed or series a what would be some of the channels that you prioritize or maybe some of the efforts initiatives that you prioritize? Is it, is it get the brand right? Is it build top of funnel awareness? Would you start down funnel? Like let's just acquire like people who are interested, like what would be some of your early, early steps?
0: Um, I think just the unit economics uh, probably would be early on, right? Like proving that you have, um, you know, you understand how much it costs uh, to acquire a customer. And then that's number one, right? I think lifetime value, if you're early on, you may not know it uh, then, uh, but having like proof of concept metrics. So um, I think brand positioning is really important uh, as well. Like knowing exactly who are you targeting uh, and why, right? Like the TAM is like the total addressable market. It's really not that. It's like, who do you, out of all the, you know, uh, the, out of the entire market, like, who are you actually going after? Uh, like, who, what's the service obtainable market uh, for you? Um, and what do they really care about? And what's going to resonate with them? And like being able to explain that very like concisely, right? Because like investors will just like see if you're not focused, right? Uh, so just early on, basically having a thesis, right. And essentially using, you know, marketing to prove that thesis, right. So a good example is if you think you're targeting, you know, you have digital, you, you have your agency, you're maybe targeting, you know, CMOs, um, and, you know, in this industry versus, and, you know, you might have realized that, Um, Hey, you actually have more success, you know, opening the door, your cost per lead is actually like uh, better, you know, when um, you target this type of audience with this type of content. Right. Um, So I think like that that would be the big thing for me is like it's all about the unit economics. Um, So basically using marketing to prove that right Um,
1: early on. Yeah, it's and interesting. then also we,
0: obviously acquiring customers. So, but.
1: Yeah. We see a lot of different approaches and I think everybody frames it up slightly differently. And of course there isn't one plan that works for everybody because every industry is different. Um, but, you know, we'll see, we'll see some who is like you said, they want to kind of fish where the fishing is good and and not try to spread the word too much. Just stay really focused on like those who they can uh, acquire, get those unit economics right, gain confidence, and then they can kind of work their way out from there. So it's very kind of down funnel focused. Um, but then there's others who they really approach it from like, Oh, we want to get PR, which is not down funnel at all. And we want to start investing in owned media uh, because we know that's a, it's going to take time and it should be cost efficient, but it's going to take time. Um so everybody everybody approaches it differently, but those are probably the two I see most frequently in the early days. Um, the
0: other thing is SEO uh, is something that like, I always suggest starting to do really mm-hmm. early, no matter what, because it takes time yep. uh, to to develop. So um, having, you know, really good content, really good, strong, authoritative information. I think the other thing is like, you know, now, of course, all the old ideas are fun, like press is important, right? Not just for building your brand, but also like external validation uh, with like prospective investors, things like that. Um, So those are just some other things that, you know, would be considering uh, to do like early on.
1: Yeah. I think the external validation is a funny one. Like it it matters more than it probably should in some cases, but we're like that. Like we have a bias to, Oh, you recovered there. You must be a big deal. Like it's that brand equity for sure. Um, more th- the brand equity, I think matters more than the reach. Um, Cause at a quick skim you get, Oh, you were in that publication versus, you know, who's endorsed you, you know?
0: Yeah. And I think also like with the customer acquisition, like early on, like less about like buy this stuff, like, and just build a relationship, right? Like find ways to add value to like your target uh, market, right? Um, As opposed to kind of, you know, doing the traditional, like buy my, you know, buy my stuff, buy my things. I think it's like really like adding value uh, to their worlds. Um, And, uh, you know, you'll see like down down the road that will help. It's hard to do. Um, uh, but I think it's just like making sure that you're adding value so that in the process, they're kind of learning about who you are. Um, and like right now you're adding value to me, right? Like, um, uh, you know, and you know, that's what I did early in my career as well. Like when I started the agency, I was like, how do I go meet people that are like, you know, who I want to work with? And I create, you know, my partners, and I would create advisor TV We traveled all over the U S we recorded interviews with all sorts of entrepreneurs um, that we wanted to kind of get in our ecosystem. And then eventually either, you know, find opportunities with them, find opportunities with their friends, with their, uh, with their, uh, network, uh, things like
1: that. So. That's cool. So things are going well at ClearCover. What has been some of the more rewarding aspects, uh, since you've joined the team?
0: I think, uh, I hired my first direct report. So that's been, uh, amazing. Um, he's great. And I think just like having the opportunity to build the team is always super rewarding. Um, I think for me also, um, seeing how fast we grew in terms of headcount, um, you know, I think I was probably like somewhere around employee number, maybe, you know, 200, um, you know, we've grown significantly. Uh, we've more than doubled high pound. So it's just been really cool to like be a part of, um, you know, this, uh, r- we, we call it rocket turtle uh, here because uh, we don't want to go too fast, right? We want to go fast, but we want to do it very like smartly, uh, if that makes sense. So um, those are some things, but definitely like hiring first uh, people to the team, learning about a, a totally, you know, new industry, uh, that I've never been a part of. And then also like my whole background, my whole career, I've been doing digital marketing and it's the first time I'm in a like true marketing leadership role. Um, and like, I feel like um, I have a, you know, seat at the table um, and my voice is being heard. And I think that's been uh you know, really, re- really rewarding uh, being able to kind of uh, put myself in, you know, more uncomfortable situations uh, with, you know, senior executives and, uh, kind of learn from that as well.
1: That's awesome. I, I used to say earlier in my career, I always wanted to know where the steering wheel of the organization was and then feel like I at least had my hand on it. And it sounds like you've definitely, you've found that uh, for yourself right now.